0: industry podcast and i'm david andrew let's dig in my guest today is bob baker from the Career diycareermanifesto.com and other domains and in case you've never heard of bob which is maybe possible he's a music marketing and creativity expert with many information products to his name you're welcome to add to that description but how are you today bob
1: uh, David I'm doing great and thanks for the invite to come on the show I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting about music and entrepreneurship and all that good stuff
0: yeah me too I think this has kind of been long overdue but there's a lot of talk online right now and even in the past I guess but about creating products that people actually want so how do you approach creating information products for musicians and creative people
1: yeah. Well, I, that's something I've been doing for a long time and it is a learned skill. Mm. And, um, I, uh, you know, so there are two things that, that I'm, I'm very lucky in that. I think that I discovered early on, like the, the things that I was drawn to doing, like I know when they say find your passion or what, yeah. whatever, and that means different things to different people. And not everyone kind of knows, but ever, but since an early age, I was drawn to music one, uh, like back in grade school and even predating that to the written word. It was just something I was drawn to. I was, was just writing stories and things on my own outside of schoolwork, And, you know, music was something that was, um, and I didn't have like anybody, family members or friends that were musicians who inspired me. It was just something I was drawn to music and, 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 um, wanted to play it and eventually, well, yeah. And by middle school, or whatever, learn, learned the guitar. And so anyway, yeah. So I combined these, these, these two, uh, passions, um, and I started publishing a local music newspaper here. I, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, which is in the Midwest, about five-hour drive south of Chicago, mm. in the in the states, and um, and so uh, so yeah, I and I, but I I had no previous experience publishing a newspaper. Never worked at the school paper. Never really took journalism classes. I like just kind of ju- jumped into it. But I learned a lot during those years about serving an audience, and as it really was about the readers, you know, because the money that came in from this. Uh, newspaper that I published was from the advertisers and they wanted more readers and more distribution and more eyeballs. And so I learned, well, what do my readers want? You know, and then um, that evolved into columns with tips for musicians and then workshops and then the the work that I've been doing for the past two plus decades. And so, yeah, there is a whole art to figuring out what who, who your audience is, uh, and then in the in the in the nonfiction information product space, you know what do they want to learn? Um, what are their biggest problems? Their biggest challenges? How can you solve them? Uh, so that's one aspect of it. And then there's this whole aspect of creating it in a way that people will actually learn from it and then take the stuff and act on it. And so that's a whole skill in itself and taking you know, what's my topic? What's the scope? Am I going to, is it going to be the be all, you know, complete guide to everything you want to know about whatever this topic (laughs) is? Or in more and more in recent years, what I'm doing is, is actually, I I like the idea of creating uh, a greater number of products on really more specific aspects of a larger topic, like music marketing. You know, if there's publicity, there's uh, social media within that. There's just, oh, there's be one thing just on how to create your website and all the elements that go into that. Mm. And so I'm, I'm probably doing more of that, being more uh, going deeper into a, 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 a specific slice of, of it, but knowing how to, how to, how to, how to. Uh, uh, present that information in an order that makes sense and it's not it's something that's um, and one thing that I i think I've uh, it's served me well is my writing is very conversational mm. and I'm and I come at it from a musician's and an artist's standpoint not like from an academic you know above yeah. all <laughs> and so yeah there's kind of a, a, a wide ranging answer to your question but uh, but that's my initial thoughts on that topic
0: no, those are some really good points there, figuring out who your audience is and what their challenge is, creating your product in a way that people will actually learn from and resonate with, creating a greater number of products, I guess, more specific, you said, yeah. and uh, presenting in an order that makes sense to them, talking in a conversational tone. I think those are all really great tips on that.
1: Yeah. And there's another thing I've, i over the years, I've, is I've given workshops to writers and And also, well, to to marketers too, um, is I I talk about the three E's, like the letter E, the three E's of communication. And generally you're, Doing one of three things. If and I always—that's another thing I like to do—is take a complicated topic and break it down into really simple, easy yeah. to understand concepts. You know, you can later build onto it and add detail. But once you have like a basic framework of something, you can—it's—you uh, have a better under, understanding of it. But the three E's are one is uh, especially the type of writing that I do and that you do with your own information products, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, are one is educate. So you're getting people information. You're educating them about a topic. So they have a better understanding of it. Um, another aspect is is you can entertain them, so you can you know whether you make them laugh or what you know whatever the case is, it's an enjoyable experience for them. And then the other e is enlighten, which you could also use the word inspire. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's where like the light bulb goes off, where they actually feel something. They feel inspired. They feel um, like I can do this. You know, it changes their so sort of their mental state of, of, about it. And so so if you do one of those things really well, you know you're doing well. If you can combine two of them, but when you, if you could do all three at the same time, uh, then you're really firing on all cylinders. And that was something that I realized because I think whatever I've done. So you you may know that I'm a musician. I'm obviously a writer. Um, I also uh, do art. I like a visual artist. Um, I. Um, uh, well, what else do I do? Well, yeah, I'm an actor. I, I teach and perform improv comedy too. And, and I realized at some point in my life that with all of these disciplines I'm involved in, quite often I, I, you're, you're inspired first, maybe by seeing someone else who does it, you know, you you know, you see, you see a band and you go, Oh my God, I want to do that. You know, um, we all have our favorite bands that inspired us when we were young, you know, and, and with writing, there were certain authors that I really resonated with. What I just like the way that they write, or the, their voice, or their attitude, mm. or whatever. And so, when when at first, when you start to do this on your own, you're sort of emulating people that you um, that you admire until you eventually find your own voice within that. And that applies to music or to art or to. The, the the written word. Um but but the things that I really remembered was those were those I think probably the inspirational side of it is when I was I remember reading there have been times when I've read a book and there was like a, an idea just hit me so hard that I actually had, had to put the book down mm-hmm. and like pace around my house and go, oh my God, I finally get it. You know, hallelujah or, yeah. or, whatever, or whatever. Or Eureka. Maybe that's that's the word I'm looking for. Um and so I, as a as a writer I, I I want to I want to actually create that experience for my readers too. And so if I can deliver, I can educate them, make it fun, and every now and then – you know, have somebody go, Oh my god, you and I literally over the years have gotten just tons of r- great feedback that shows me I'm on the right course. I mean, people have actually mm-hmm. written and you know, emailed or uh, talked to me at a conference and say, Your book changed my life, which you wouldn't think would be the wow. case with a music marketing book, but it really just altered their whole Like, they were really maybe disgruntled and hated marketing, and you know, and and they it changed them to where they enjoyed it and made it you know, part of the creative process, and so. So that's kind of like, yeah, my philosophy on and uh, just not writing a book, you know, I'm really impacting people's lives in a meaningful way, ideally, you know
0: yeah, and you said something there about breaking down a complicated topic. that's been something I've been thinking about more and more as of late, like, because my tendency for a little while was just to write these really long posts and throw in the kitchen sink, but by that time it's it becomes harder to consume it unless you kind of have it broken down into step-by-step step and one, two, three, four, five, instead of, instead of just, you know, a few headings, it mm-hmm. gets a lot harder for, I think, people to take something from it.
1: Yeah. No, and I often, uh, over the years have explained it. Um, I compare it to like, uh, health and fitness. Cause I like a lot of pe- people, you know, I sit a lot at the computer and you know, my, my weight or whatever, you know, miss my general health and nutrition. It can always be better. <laughs> better shape. <laughs> and so like a lot of people that pursue marketing or building a business or whatever like you can easily like dive into all the books on the topic and there's yeah. you know there's South Beach diet and this and that and and Zumba and you know there's a, just a ton of different things and the more you read the more confused you get and yeah. then there's all these conflicting things about do eat that but don't eat this but this book says just the opposite you know and so and then you get so overwhelmed that you end up not knowing what to do or do nothing. And so I had this realization years ago with Health that I could, if I took everything that I've ever read about, or you know, that I know about health and, and fitness, and boil it down to the simplest terms possible, it could be stated in four words. And that's eat less, move more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, isn't that like at the the basic, most basic, simplest level? And that, like, oh, that I can wrap my brain around. You know, yeah. and so if you could start with that, like, skeleton or a framework, which you get and understand. And then, and then as you, uh, pursue those things, you can get again, more nuanced about, well, well, what do I eat less of and how do I move more than you can, but without that basic framework to start with, I mean, to me, it just like makes it a lot easier. So that's why, yeah, that's what I try to do with, the, the information, how can I break this down? start off with the super simple, you know, like even a dumb guy like me could understand it. Uh, and then and then build upon that, you know, mm-hmm. put meat on the bones as you as you dive into the topic, you know.
0: Right. And that could really even be a point about curtailing information overwhelm, you know, listening to maybe one or two experts instead of the 30 that you're subscribed to mm-hmm. and getting points from them.
1: Yeah, and I have a lot of friends in the um, uh, in the kind of information publishing world. In fact, I don't know if you if you know who Jason Van Orden is, but he. And oh, his- I've
0: been listening to him for a long time.
1: Yeah, so the Internet Business Mastery podcast and yep. an academy. And so, actually, I met Jason. He's a musician. He and his wife are uh, yeah were pursuing a music career, like in the late '90s, early 2000s. And I actually met them at a music conference. While I think he still had a day job, and he he does credit me with being like one of the early like information publishers and online marketers that he observed, which is kind of nice. That's
0: right. That's right. Yeah.
1: Um, and he, uh, I was like, I was going to say, oh, so, so he, yeah, he and his partner started this podcast and... And, oh no! He, he he first heard the word podcast in uh, an email that I sent out to my list, and he was on it back in like oh two thousand four, two thousand five, because that, that's when I started podcasting. Mm-hmm. And he was really intrigued by it, and went on to write a book about it. And that's his, their their main uh, marketing vehicle is their their uh, weekly podcast. Yeah, yep. it was just called what Internet Business Mastery, right? Yeah. Um, but I've heard Jason talk over the, over the years about you know, they've had a lot of experience creating like a course. And um, like membership sites, and the thing they learned early on is like, like an information publisher thinks, oh my god, I got to deliver value, so I got to include everything in this book or in this course. And if it's too much, people will get overwhelmed, that they'll get behind, and so they have ex- they and other other people like them have often heard, and I've this has been my experience too is is, is to actually yeah uh, to make it give people bite sized chunks that they can devour and. It has some success with too. Also, give people little steps that they can take where they connect. Because once somebody makes progress, they go, Oh, wow, I can do this. This is cool. What's the next step? You know? And so, yeah, that's, but that's a, a tough lesson to learn because when you're new to it, you want to just want to throw everything in. You know, there's so much more I could say about this. <laughs>
0: Right, I think the thing that they always said was, "We're not trying to create the internet marketing encyclopedia."
1: <laughs> right, exactly. It's just the little chunk of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What about landing pages? You seem to have some really great landing pages on your site. What goes into creating, you know, those types of sales or squeeze pages? Do you do a lot of research on that first, and is writing sales copy one of your strengths?
1: well uh so there's a dual answer there and thank you for the compliments I actually uh one area where i have where I have fallen short and I'm readily admitted is the whole like the tracking and measuring aspect yeah. of it um I mean I do research th- things but when it comes to like yeah I mean uh, doing the the, the intense, you know, who, where did they click and doing the AB split tests, which is comparing two different sales pages and seeing which one I've been, I've kind of, yeah, that hasn't been my strength. Mm. Um, however, the other thing you mentioned is a great strength of, of, of mine is the copywriting. And Mm. I'm telling you back when I was in my twenties, I, for some reason I had a natural and luckily I still do after all these decades, it's like this fascination with marketing, with publicity, with sales, and also the psychology behind it. Like, why do people, why are people attracted to certain artists, certain authors, certain movies more so than others? You know, what are the elements that create that? And then this whole thing about the tipping point, you know, where there's, early adopters and then Hmm. uh, an early majority and and things reach, you know, that Malcolm Gladwell has a book out, which I thought was fascinating, the tipping point about when things reach a critical mass and then they become uber popular or whatever. Um, so it's the psychology of the artist and the, the limiting beliefs and the, the empowering beliefs and how those we all battle with those things. And it's and then also the psychology of the fan and what they're attracted to. So but copywriting was one of those things I was fascinated with. And I just have really studied it and written a lot primarily for my own products. And I in fact I'm getting ready to it's a little behind schedule, but I'm on the verge of, of re- re- releasing like a an online course um, that's really on this: how to make offers, uh, how to how to describe what it is that you're selling, and then how to make the offers that compel people to purchase now and to purchase more, you know, and do it in an ethical way, an authentic way. Um, but yeah, it's the first, and so I'm, I'm, it's cause I have, do have a lot of yeah, knowledge and skill? I think that I've developed in that area, not so much the measuring. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so, and it really comes down to like one of the big nuggets is, is, is speaking directly to the person, um, who, you know, using a lot of you oriented sentences and phrasing. So what's in it for the person, Who's reading it, and not just talking about yourself and what, how cool you and your product or your music are. You know how what's their what they're going to experience and how they're going to benefit. It's kind of one of the main, but there's a lot of nuances that go into that. You know,
0: yeah, and I'll also say that like conversion optimization is not one of my strengths. One breakthrough that I've had recently is just with heat maps and that. Those can be really good for just kind of getting a sense of where people are clicking and what they're interested in. Yeah.
1: And for people that might not know that term, yeah, a heat map yeah. is basically yeah, it's, it shows you like which links or what areas of the site get more act- or your page get more uh, activity or clicks uh, than uh, than others, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you, yeah, so you know that's working effectively, and you could do away with something else. And then A B split test is where yeah, where you <laughs> send people to a a certain URL, but it takes like half of the traffic and sends it to one page, and half of the traffic and sends it to another. And I, I know the theory. I've read a lot about it. I just haven't, <laughs> haven't done it, but you're supposed to, but whatever the current page is, is called the control or whatever. And so you know, like maybe you know that, you know, I don't know, one out of every three people that go there sign up for your list or something. Yeah. And so you're, you're supposed to change like one element. You're supposed to, you're not supposed to make a whole lot of radical changes, but maybe you'll change the headline or even just the color of the headline or the photo that's used. You take one L element and that's, that's your B and then you compare it. And if, Whichever one gets a better conversion rate, that becomes the new control. is what they call it. And then you change another element, and and, and people that do that, I guess you could continue tweaking and um, until you you get you know you just get higher and higher results. But I just have never been disciplined enough to do all that. Well,
0: <laughs> and if you start really getting into it, it's so in depth that you could spend a lot of time on that without actually. You know, doing more meaningful things in your business. Yeah. So.
1: Like writing books or creating new courses. <laughs> exactly. Or writing music or doing, yeah, art or something. Yeah.
0: Seems to me that content's kind of the number one thing. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. a lot of, in the author world, which, you know, so I, I rotate in the, you know, our, our, our out in the music world and the author world and just the, you know, different creative worlds. But in the, in the, in the fiction writing in particular, so many uh, successful fiction writers, when they, when you're asking, what's the, what's the number one marketing thing that you can do? And they always say, write your next book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, although there are other things you should and could be doing. Um, in addition to that, I think marketing, can play uh it should be a balanced role between the creation and the promotion of it um the sharing of it um so you i i think every especially these days in the, in the digital world that we live in yeah the whoever the creator is whether they're a musician or a writer or whatever um should uh take an active role and get on friendlier terms with the marketing and the sharing mm-hmm. uh of it and and not curse it <laughs> think yep. of it as a necessary evil however don't 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 market and get on social media so much that you you lose sight of the quality and the your, what you're creating and putting out too um because that that needs to be there as when I mean, they, they they both are important and finding that balance is the trick yeah.
0: yeah that's so important what are a few quick do's and don'ts of sales pages
1: sales pages ah yes so um Yes, you want it. so I already kind of touched on the main one is speaking directly to and, – mm. and and this is – I mean maybe it's – and this comes naturally to me for a couple of reasons. One, I've been writing since I was a kid, you know, and so mm-hmm. the written the written word and language, I, it just – it's something I um, have uh, developed a skill at. Uh, also, I've been very hypersensitive of marketing copy and writing. So, so writing copy in this sense is that, yes, yeah, the words that you use to sell something, but it's also the words that you use to describe it. And so – and a, and a lot of people, they're natural te- – so human beings are naturally tended to focus on themselves, you know, yep. uh, which is why as an artist and as a self-promoter – I mean, what's the first word in self-promotion? itself? And so you think, well, I have a new book out, so I'm going to promote me and my book or my <laughs> or my new album. And so you're, you're – the sort of knee-jerk instinct is to say, I'm so excited about this new album. uh. I worked so hard on it. I, I can't wait to get it, you know, to get it out there. So it's all you notice. Those are all I statements, you know, and they're genuine. And it's in, and people will feed off that enthusiasm. But what if you turn, um, what if you turn that around and said something like, um, I'm just kind of trying to remember something off the top of my head here, but something like, um, do you? W- how would you like a spontaneous dance party to break out in your apartment or your home or, or whatever? <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll get hours of pleasure, you know, or no, 45 minutes of, 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 of luscious grooves that you can dance to and impress your friends. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of making stuff up here. But just change that around and, 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 and make it about what they're going to experience. Um, and then you could follow that up with, you know, that you're the artist. I mean, people like to connect with the artist, so they do want to know about you. But on a sales page, you wouldn't lead with you would lead with what's in it for them, and ideally have a headline that maybe speaks to them. Um, mm-hmm. Like what, and you can, and also another tip is another important one is you can hit both pain and pleasure, uh, like stress point. You could stress one or the other. Um, this is something I learned from. Uh, uh well I got a recording from by Anthony Robbins t- you know Tony Robbins the motivational guy <laughs> years ago where he talked about there's really two people who are pr- primarily motivated and he got it from I'm sure psychologists or whatever from decades back but um people are usually mo- motivated by two Primary things: either they're seeking pleasure, or they're trying to avoid or reduce pain. Um, so again, this is really getting into that psychology of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can hit both points. So some, so maybe it's not so much in. Well, you could do it. So let, let, let me give you an, an, an example. Like when I'm promoting, um, there's this thing I used to sell for years. Uh, it's kind of out, or it's not available anymore. But it's called Killer Music Press Kits, and it's about how to develop a press kit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, one aspirational way is to, wouldn't you like to get tons of media exposure? Imagine if, you know, if t- 30 blogs this week covered your, you know, reviewed your new album. So, that's like, that's, that's hitting on the pleasure aspect of it. That's what you potentially could get if you really mastered, you know, online press kits or whatever. The pain aspect, I ended up using a headline that was very effective for many years where it says something like, are your press kits going in or, uh, Going into the trash can or something along those lines, and I had an image of a of an old school trash can, but these days it could be in the email, you know, the digital computer, <laughs> this trash can, uh, or 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 a, a physical one. Um, but I decided to push the pain in the headline of the uh, thing, and and because between the two, the, the, the seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, the, the pain that one is is actually a stronger motivator. Um, this uh, research has bared that out. And so that doesn't mean you always want to push pain, but um, but you can you can and actually you can do both. It's a little trickier with music. Um, however, maybe you can remind people of all the garbage that's on the radio. Sick of all the formulaic mm. pop music that you know. Even though most people don't listen to radio <laughs> these these days, but sometimes it's hard to find whatever you know. So you can find ways of of working that into a music sales page. Um, but those are probably yeah a couple of couple of big ones there. Make it you oriented, and then think about. Uh, focusing uh, some of your description on the pleasure that they're going to experience and then the pain they're going to either avoid or relieve themselves of if they're currently experiencing it.
0: Mm.
1: How's that that sound?
0: (laughs) Yeah, those are some great examples and tips. I like that. (laughs) And I do remember reading that in Tony Robbins' book, so that definitely gives me a frame of reference for that also.
1: Cool.
0: Uh, Uh, you talked a little bit about this already but how did you how do you create a worthwhile experience for the people consuming your products
1: Mm, how do you do that so um, this is something I'm always yeah I mean I'm still it's another another thing as uh, I guess now that I'm you know, 20 plus years into being an author and a teacher and all that, I, I, uh, I do believe that we are all simultaneously teachers and students, you know, and mm-hmm. also I'm a lifelong student in addition to being, I guess, an established teacher or mentor or resource or whatever you want to call it. I hear um, that. and so I'm always learning. Yeah. There's always, there's just like with the sales page stuff, you know, there's, you can really delve as deep as you want to go. You know, there's, there's a lot yeah. of information out there so as far as but um one it's basically so what i yeah what i already talked about is taking the concept and breaking it down figuring out the scope that you're going to cover um but let's say it's a course that does cover um so it's, it's, it's this continuation of like – so you figure out what the overall course or book is going to cover and then you got to break that down into chapters or sections or lessons. So what is this lesson and what's the right order for them all? You know, and, and again, I start with the basic premise – And then kind of build on it from there. So first you have to create an – I mean it really helps before you write a book or create a course to have a solid outline. Um, And so the thing is that outline can and it it will evolve as you start to create it. You'll realize, oh, this thing that I thought was one lesson is really two. You know, So I need to break that down further. And another one that you thought was important, you realize that it's not really – I can either it's not important enough for its own lesson. I'll incorporate that into another one. So they they do change, but having that roadmap to begin with uh, is really helpful. Um, And so it's like, and then as you're working on each chapter or lesson, you get into the minutia of that. You know, it's just it's the so it's this constant like big picture and then breaking it down further and further until, you know, and, and as you're writing. You don't need to think about or creating. You don't need to think about the entirety of the whole thing. Just focus on that little little sliver that you're working on currently. Um, With online courses, though, in particular, with some of the, since we have uh, uh, the ability to create multimedia things, and also I I, I apply this to my live workshops too. Just realize that different people learn in different ways. Mm. So if you can give people an array of experiences, so some people enjoy just reading but other people that bores them to tears. So, um, give them something to do, give them an activity. You know, I, 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 I try to have worksheets that, that people actually print and write on physically, mm. you know, and some people hate that, but they, they'll, you know, so you, if you give people a variety of ways to consume it, some people that will prefer to watch it on a video, listen to it in audio. In a live setting, there are people that Prefer to sit by themselves and just you know journal or you know or make make notes, but other people r- r- learn more when they're social. So I, I I have exercises where people team up or into partners and they do exercises, and so I get them physically involved in it. You know, yeah. which is a little tougher to do it <laughs> an online or a book setting. You know, um, but it's yeah, how many different angles can you hit people from with the inf- with the information? And, you know, and that's a whole art about how to decide what type of exercises and, you know, when do you how to use them and all and all that. But it makes it also makes it a creative challenge too. how do I compile all this stuff into a package that's that's that works, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that makes sense. And a couple of my ebooks actually do come packaged with audio versions. So I guess that's maybe one way I'm hitting on what you just talked about in providing different media.
1: Yeah, and you can take the same lesson, like, yeah, for instance, uh, you can take the audio, like, for instance, I'll record an audio, and I'll record them with the intention of having, like, PowerPoint slides or whatever that, you know, that, that so, but but I'll take the the exact same audio that's used in the video course, and just make that available as an audio-only download, but then I combine it with images for the visual people, and then you could, either, you're reading a, a text that you've already um have written and so then you have the text version or you have it transcribed you know if you're just spontaneously speaking um and so yeah yeah, you can take the same piece of content and and repurpose it into the multiple form formats it's not like you have to create a necessarily create a separate one for each you know take time out to create a separate thing for each modality or whatever
0: yeah i guess that would just be about like planning in advance making sure that you know how you want to repurpose the content that you've already created
1: exactly yeah so why yeah i'm all about right why why reinvent the, the wheel yeah because <laughs> yeah i mean you can there's all sorts of ways. i mean some of my there's some books that i've published that are basically compilations of of blog posts um yeah the, the, uh, and also the book that I'm probably best known for is called The Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook. Right. Um, and the first primitive version of that I self-published in a three-ring binder was like came out like 20 uh, years ago, like in 1996 was the first early version. And what that was, I think I mentioned early on that I used to publish a local music newspaper and there was a period where I was writing monthly columns. And I took like – at one point I took like the 15 best columns – uh, and then I went through them all and beefed them up and updated them and, you know, added a little bit more meat to them uh, and then just printed them, you know, a f- copier and three hole punched them and put them in a three ring binder. That was the early version of the you know, the first A edition. And uh, it was one of the early books, too, on on marketing for independent musicians. Back in those days, everybody wanted a record deal. And so there wasn't a, you know, uh, that was what the, most of the panels and the books out at the time were how to get the attention attention of A&R and agents and manager and all that stuff. And I was preaching this message of, of independence and here's how to do it yourself, you know? Um, And so and then of course it it evolved over the years. Um, I forgot how we got, (laughs) (laughs) I I forgot what, what led me to start speaking about this. Um, But, oh yeah. So, so yeah, that was an idea, a perfect example of of early on, I was repurposing content I'd already created instead of starting from, starting from, from, from scratch. And so, yeah, I've been doing that a long time.
0: Yeah, well, I guess even Darren Rouse from ProBlogger has done really well with that kind of stuff too. I think yeah, it's thirty day to a better blog or something like that.
1: Can't yeah, out I, of that. I, so. I've been following that for a number of years. Yeah, he's he's done a really good job with that. That is a good example. And he freely admits these are available as free blog posts. However, yeah. I I packaged them with, you know, with exercises to make it convenient. I think he sold a lot of those.
0: He has. So, I guess there's both merits and demerits to doing that, but I, I think it's a great way to, you know, <laughs> leverage what you've already created.
1: Yeah. And then another yeah, a book more uh well, one of the other books in the guerrilla music marketing series I also took a yeah. At that point, I had been blogging for a while, and I remember the first time I took blog posts because at least the the things that I did back in the '90s were not all available online. Yeah. And so, but when I was taking things that had already been published online as blog posts, I did the same thing. I beefed them up. I you know I updated them, and then I I, that was the primary content of one of these books was called the Encore A Edition, which I actually really need to update or repackage or whatever. Um, But I remember I was paranoid about oh my god. You know, people are going to know that, you know, that most of these articles are available for free in their original form. And I was like preparing myself to get some heat for it. And I can't remember one person going, I already read these online. Like nobody, you know, even if they had read them, they either forgot or you think that everyone consumes everything that you put out there. And it's just not the case. That's right. And so I never heard a peep about it. (laughs) It's so that reaffirmed for, for, for me. That yeah, it's not something that anybody should really worry about. You know, you're doing them a favor by packaging it all in one convenient source, and they most likely never came across it. You know, and and even if they knew, it's like you're hiding it from them or doing anything underhanded. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I don't know. So, funny, so, yeah, don't don't get too worried about that. Would be my advice.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's definitely something I could be doing more of. You started the Creative Entrepreneur Podcast a few years ago. You talked a little bit about this in one of your first episodes of your podcast, but what inspired you to move in that direction?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, thanks Thanks for asking. So as I mentioned, you know, music has been a long-term passion of mine. The written word has. i luckily combined them into a, 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 a livelihood with, you know, my, my primarily publishing books on music marketing over the years. However, in addition to that, I have all these other uh, – I have a pretty wide range of uh, creative interests and not just interests, but things that I've actually engaged in right. he- heavily over the years. So that involves, you know, i play, I, well, I played in bands and I um, acted in, Excuse me. I acted in plays, uh, perform and teach improv comedy. I do visual art. I used to do stand-up comedy. It's like over the years, I had this crazy, and I have no idea where this came from. Was I really didn't have anyone in my life who was like this proactive, like pursuing their their, their passions or whatever. It's just kind of it just came. It was something that was internally driven. But when something looked like it would be fun, and it was creative, in particular, I would say I want to. I want to do that. (laughs) I want to do it sooner rather than later. So I would sort of act even before I was typically ready, you know, but I would just jump in and say, let's see how this goes, you know, and a lot of them worked out or I just had a blast doing it. Um, And so I feel like I've got a, um, uh, I guess, a sensitivity to a lot of different areas of creativity. Now, I now one thing that I, I I realized back then. So this is in my twenties and thirties, I was doing all this variety. There was, there was there was a time when I was playing in bands, I was publishing a newspaper, I was acting in plays, um, doing stand. It was it like was all over the map, and what happened was I was I was spreading myself a little too thin to where I wasn't giving enough energy to any one thing yeah. that it, it wasn't uh, in particular, it wasn't generating revenue, you know. And so um, I did have to f- decide. You know, I need to focus on something, especially because I really am determined to support myself and make a living. Um, and I felt – and I want to do it in a, doing something that I'm really, truly interested in in a way that's also going to create value and serve people, you know, not just myself. Um, but you really – you can't really make money unless you're ser- you're serving others any, any way. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, I made the, de- the decision back then that the books had the greatest potential – um, to allow me to support myself and do good and do something that I'm in. And so I did sort of put everything, I continue to do things, but I, but I purposely put them in the background or part-time and decided to focus on the, on the books and the online, um, exposure and all that. And that, that panned out because that's over 12 years ago, I quit the last day job that I ever plan on working, um, and so, uh, however, I have so yeah. So I decided to focus on music marketing initially. Then I widened, and I included book promotion since I had success as an author. Um, but I realized over the years, yeah, that I actually w- would like to speak to a, even a wider range of creative people. And so I, that's one of the yeah. The, the, and I had, years ago had published a book called "Unleash the Artist Within" that also had a similar mission. Mm. Uh, it was for creative folks of all, but it was kind of a sleeper title because it wasn't very specific. But I was determined to. I still came back and created the creative entrepreneur where I, uh, as a podcast, initially I was interviewing creative people of all types. So they'd be, they'd be authors. There's some musicians, but you know, painters, um, you know, uh, uh, actors and, you know, if it was in a creative field loosely, uh, and they were doing well, people like were, were thriving and doing well or had something to offer. Um, I interviewed them and just picked their brains about, kind of like you're doing with me, you know, what, how did you do that? What do you consider your three top, you know, uh, characteristics that allowed you to succeed and, you know, and just find out it's more about them, not them teaching a workshop, but about me, uh, just finding out what makes them tick. And I've interviewed people like, uh, Derek Sivers, who's an old friend who founded CD baby, uh, Jack Conti from Pomplamoose. Um, and a lot of cool people uh, Laura Hall from whose line is it anyway and uh, just a, yeah a lot of people like 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 that and um uh oh then and then the last year I I published a, a book it's uh, called the empowered artist which is sort of really the culmination of um it's a very different book in that uh, Again, it's 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 geared to creative people of all types, and it's not so much about marketing or about tactics. This book is more about mindset and work ethic mm. and the best practices. You know what people creative, successful creative people bring to the table. Um, and I wrote it in a way that I think even ten years from now, it's not going to be outdated. You know, I didn't really talk hard at all about Facebook or social media. It's more about that internal thing that, that, that successful creative people seem to have, um, and all the print, you know, and so that's, that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Uh, yeah, but I'm referring to it as the artist empowerment movement because it's more than a book. Yes. It's a book. It's the the podcast is related to it. I have like a mastermind group. It's like an online thing. Um, I created a music video, you know, around the, the topic. So it's a whole bunch of moving parts. And really a mission that I'm on is just to like wake up creative people around the world to the, the power of the gifts and the value that they bring to the world. Because haven't you noticed that creative people, you know, the, you, you probably maybe even yourself or the Musicians <laughs> hang out with tend to downplay their value, you know, yeah. or uh, play small because they don't think they 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 have the power to I don't know shit, to do whatever it is that they pursue their dreams or whatever. So, yeah. That's kind of what, where I'm at with, oh, yeah. with that. And, and it's not about being like unrealistic or saying that you can make a living. It's like, it's like you get to define your own definition of success. I want to be kind of yeah. clear about that. I'm not saying, you know, just put, just pursue what you're passionate about. And you can, you know, everything's going to be great. You know, that's not necess- there's no, there are no guarantees. It's another thing that I say in the book just because you want to do something doesn't mean that the world owes you a living. However, you owe it to yourself to pursue that creative thing and do it on whatever level is right for you. You know, you, you may have to keep a day job, for the rest of your life or, or mm-hmm. whatever, but you could still pursue your craft to where it sell. It satisfies you that inner, uh, you know, d- desire that you have to create and also to share it with the, however many people, you know, you, you end up sharing it with and, um, and it may be a dozen, it may be thousands or you know, whatever. So whatever level it is, uh, it's, it's not about comparing yourself to somebody in the bestseller list. It's about doing what's right for you, but just giving yourself the permission to do that. You know,
0: Exactly. I love that. And you've actually interviewed a lot of people that I've either been following or have been curious about for a while. So I can definitely recommend uh, that listeners take a listen to that show as well.
1: Cool. Yeah. And that one is at the – and it was a book I wrote early on called The DIY Career Manifesto, which is yes. more – it's almost kind of a part memoir about my life and 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 the, the path that I've taken to self-employment in the arts. Um, and so I uh, – that's why the URL for that is DIYCareerManifesto.com. That's where the Creative Entrepreneur podcast is housed um, if if people are yeah actually want to take a deeper dive in more recent episodes uh, or seasons, I, uh, I I still interview people, but I mix it up with some. I just it, sometimes it's just me uh, either reading part of the book or just ranting about something. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So they're not they're like I bounce back and forth between uh, me just expounding on something and then inter- interviewing cool people that I find in my travels. So
0: awesome. Yeah, and I related a lot to that story uh, because I currently find myself in a position of freelancing in a lot of different disciplines and kind of taking a look at what would it mean to kind of 80-20 my life and just kind of work on the things that I really want to work on, you know, what would allow me to work mostly from home, which I already am, but I still, you know, drive and go outside of home to work here and there. So. And I have other blogs besides the, the the main one I've got at doccast.com. So yeah, I kind of find myself in that place of wanting to cut down, streamline a bit
1: yeah I mean, it's always good to focus and yeah pair away the things that aren't serving you. I mean it, it's a delicate balance because um, I because yeah, I, on one hand, especially if you're early, I mean, I don't know where you are in your career or whatever like early on in your career, I think it is good to really focus. But then I' also see you're examples right. of people that claim that their diversity or their versatility or whatever um, helps them get more work. but I think um, it's kind of a a, a delicate dance. Um, it's. It's. I always think of it as like branding like you should have like a leading public image like I'm the guy that does this you know the yeah. gal that does this particular thing and then once people are kind of in your tent or they're in your world you can make them aware of the other th- cool things that you do but if you start off you're with your public identity as being I'm all things to all people <laughs> that yeah. could be a little watered down you know exactly um, so finding that identity and and uh, yeah the one, the thing that's going to again be that overlap between what you're really seriously interested in and good at, and then the overlap of there being a need or a want in the marketplace that people are willing to pay for that's the that's the trick, you know uh but it can be found a lot of people have found it, and that's why I, I seek those people out and always want to know how they how they got to that point you know
0: yeah, exactly, that's awesome. You've talked to a lot of notable online entrepreneurs. Is there anything that really sticks out about that? Any insights that have really stuck with you?
1: Yeah, I think it's this... um this is a reoccurring thing. I definitely address it in the empowered artist book and it comes up a lot, but it's this whole, um, uh, the topic of uh, fear and uncertainty. Um, mm-hmm. this is something that people struggle with, uh, in all areas of life. Um, I you know, if you're a human being, you <laughs> have wrestled with these demons yeah. you know, of fear and uncertainty. And I think some, the thing that I've, um, yeah I think one one of the biggest take takeaways from all these interviews and plus comparing it to my own experience is is successful people do not have an absence of fear. They haven't like banished the fear monster, you know. I am fearless. Well, no, most the, the, so so everyone <laughs> everyone still hears that little inner critic and that voice in their heads. They've just learned to get on friendly terms with it or they've learned to ignore it or they've learned to maybe uh I even say in one third. There's actually some value to the to that fear if you just ask it. Okay, I hear you. I'm going to give you a chance here. What's what? What are you actually trying to tell me? So sometimes there's a lesson. There's actually a good message, you know, that um, that you can get from uh, from finding out what why the fear is raising its its. But once you get that, you go, okay, I got it. Awesome. Now you can go and sit in the corner and be quiet because I'm going to. I got something. I got stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and so I guess it's that people let the fear and the, oh, I don't know how that, it's one thing I love about doing improv is that you don't, you know, it's, it's like completely trusting, not knowing where a scene is or a game is going to go. Um, and just trusting that you'll figure your way through it, you know, and, and make it interesting. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, that'd be a big piece of advice. Take an improv class wherever you are. And if you're in St. Louis, take mine, <laughs> <laughs> um, but just become comfortable or with uncertainty um, and do it anyway, you know, and just to realize that the fear is just sort of a – it's not the real you. It's like this, you know, it's this, this, this uh, little voice that's probably from your childhood. <laughs> You're probably actually taking advice from like an eight-year-old or something, you know, um, and, uh, and just to – yeah, the best way to, to, to silence it is just to take action. Do it anyway. Yeah, you know? and so that's the biggest thing is they they just learned people have they they don't banish fear they still feel the uncertainty uh, that they just continue to forge ahead none none the less and thank it and move on. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. What are some common beliefs you think are holding artists back?
1: Yeah. Um, that would be, yeah. Uh, who am I to think I'm a writer or, mm. uh, people looking for permission or like, uh, acceptance, um, like they need validation from some outside source, um, is, a, is, is, is one, as opposed to this giving themselves permission to pursue this path, you know, um, other, other things, um, Related to marketing and money, these are huge issues. And I have yeah. Yeah, sections in the Empowered Artist, again, where I kind of yeah, delve into these kind of psychological barriers that we, that we have. But thinking, again, I kind of mentioned it briefly earlier, but if you think that marketing is a necessary evil – And if you, you know, if that's the message you're sending to yourself and other people, you're not, you're never going to be comfortable promoting your stuff. If you think you're being manipulative or evil or it's, uh, um, we call it, I don't know, uh, uh, inauthentic or whatever. Um, There's, there's a way to be honest and authentic. And and if you think of marketing as a a strategic form of sharing what you have to offer um, and make, again, make it. Derek Sivers has talked a lot about this where marketing should be an extension of the creative process not something that's like separate from it you know totally agree um, and then the, this whole issues around money and that's just a huge huge um, uh, topic and it's, people are all over the map from it you know um, but people are think that asking for the sale is they, you know, and and I struggled with this myself. I've been doing this for years, you know, to asking for the sale, um, uh, putting a price on what they offer their art or their, their, service um, and a lot of that comes from a, the, the, your self value that's why you should really do a lot of this internal sort of psychological work on yourself and root out those things that are that are think making you think that you're less than you know not that you have to think that you're better than or you're superior to people but realize you know I I I'm, there's no other one on the planet like me. And I, I can, I was the only one who could create this piece, this song, this book, this, this painting. Um, and it has value. And if when someone loves it, they'll be willing to pay for it, you know? And so, um, uh, um, and so I'm not going to give it away or, or be the Walmart of, you know, I mean, you can do You can give stuff away for, for free. I'm not saying, you know, there's, there's a, there's a place for that in a, in the marketing world. Um, but also don't devalue your art to the point where you, again, where it's tied to your self-worth, you know? Um, so, so yeah, but these are things that humans sh- struggle with in all walks of life, but they p- seem to be, pre- because artists are so sensitive, I think they seem to be more prevalent, Yeah. you know, <laughs> with those creative types. And I, I'm one of them, so I can relate. So a lot of this is me working out my own demons <laughs> while while I'm helping other people root out theirs, you know?
0: <laughs> right, but that kind of gives you a place from which to speak, right? Cause he can speak from personal experience. So, yeah,
1: I mean, I, have overcome, I mean, luckily, yeah, I'm in a much better place than I used to be. So some of this is in the past, but some of the, there's but those, again, those voices never go away. Yeah. And so I'm more aware of them. I guess awareness is the first step. A lot of people just sort of, uh, sleepwalk, through life and think that their thoughts just kind of happen to them, but you, you actually can kind of uh, grab the <laughs> grab them by the reins and 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 choose how you think about things, which then affects how you feel about them, which then affects your behavior, and mm-hmm. then then your results in the world. You know, and so uh, again, yeah, just I would that's probably my biggest advice is to not only learn about marketing in your area of creativity, but also read. Self-help books or things on psychology yeah. and how your mind works and plays tricks on you, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's just all about becoming a better person, which helps you become a better artist. You know, yeah. You didn't know we were going to get so deep today, did you, David? <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> and I'm glad we are though, because this yeah. is a lot of meaty information.
0: Uh, and I actually do have an entire chapter in my book about personal development too, because I think it's, it's hugely important for artists to be exploring that side of things, but cool. And I have my own thoughts on this, obviously, but because the term information age is in the subtitle of my book, but what do you think it means to be a musician in the age we're in? Is it any different from what it was in the past?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, some some of them are quite, I mean, obvious. Uh, So the, um, uh, the access, your ability to communicate directly, your fan and that that was a message that I was you know preaching before direct to fan was even a term. Mm. Um um but uh yeah in the old school model of the music business um there was like a separation for the most part between the artist and the and the fan. Um and uh and so there you then you needed gatekeepers to be able to deem you worthy to have a record deal or a book deal and reach a wider audience. But these days everyone has access to those tools. And so I guess in the information age, um, well, certainly for a nonfiction author, we're we're dealing with information, but for a musician, it's that they might be confused by that term. You know, I don't want information. I got music or I have art. um, However, you can use the digital technologies to communicate. So we were talking about how the different learning modes earlier. And -hmm. basically when I give like, uh, when I've given, I have this thing called social or well, social media music marketing made easy, in particular, but I, it, it applies to all social media. You basically online or di- digitally have four ways to communicate with people. Here's here's again with me and the numbers and <laughs> breaking it down. Um, but old school, the way I, the first way that I had when I got online in the mid '90s was a uh, uh, text. So you have the written word. And that concludes like blog posts, tweets, Facebook updates. Email, you know the text, so you're the, 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 written, the written word. Next, you have um, audio, so that can that for a musician, obviously that's music, but it can be a podcast, it can be spoken word, but you know you pr- get people through their through their ears. Um, the next one is like uh, uh, images, so with uh, Instagram and Pinterest and all that, photographs, artwork, um, uh, you know all the memes that that go around with the. Picture with a quote in it, or whatever. So it's a, it's a visual image, and actually, visual images are probably the most Im- uh, immediately impactful because they you people you see something and you you get it instantly, as opposed to you have to take time to read something or listen to something uh, before you can de- uh, determine whether you like it or, or not, but an image is really powerful. So everybody should be using images at least at times in their, in their communication. And then the, then the fourth one is video of course, which can combine all of them um, in, di- in, di- in different ways. And so, um, so yeah, you have all these. So the, the, the thing is you don't have to do them all. <laughs> like I have tried over yeah, the years. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it, it is. So of those four modes, written word, audio, video, and, vi- and visual, like still images type things. Um, you know, which do you resonate with? Which are you good at? Which could you do on a regular basis and not get bored with it and make that your, you know, like your primary mode? Um, but just realize that you have all of these ways of communicating with people. So that's the biggest thing is you didn't – because in the years, decades past, yeah, you did, we didn't have that ability to reach other fans um, directly in that manner. Uh, Of course, the challenge is that everyone's got access to these tools, you know, and so it's a crowded marketplace out there. So you've got to work, you know, it takes diligence to cut through and find your peeps. And that's where marketing comes in and identifying who your ideal fans are and then figuring out what types of messages, what types of content you can digitally um, uh, a place out there that would more that would be more, most likely to, to attract them. That's that's the whole key, I guess, is this figuring out, yeah, you know, who you are as an artist, what you offer, who the ideal fan is that would be attracted to it, and then what kind of messages could you put out there that would reach them and have people like them share it with their friends, you know, and slowly discover you. And you know, I, let's go back to instead of tricking people really the just having kick-ass content so a killer song a great video an awesome book um you know a, a, an amazing piece 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 of art that's probably your best marketing tool but you can enhance it with other uh, other things <laughs> that we've talked about throughout the talk here
0: mm. yeah. yeah absolutely
1: and the way, yeah, and the way you tag, th- you know, the way you title and tag things is another thing. Like when people are, what are people searching for, and make sure that you label things with very specific wording, so uh, so that when they're searching for that thing, there there's a better chance that they'll find it too. That's another huge part of the strategic aspect of sharing his content on online.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Titling is so important, especially mm-hmm. on YouTube and platforms like that. You've had some fairly high-profile mentions on notable publications and media outlets. How do you get press for what you're doing?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm lucky that a lot of that has actually come to me nice. as a result of me just being out there and having positioned myself as a you know, a, a, a resource, again, kind of hammering home, especially in the music marketing realm. Um, uh just so when people Google when they Google music marketing expert or music marketing book or whatever, um because of my pr- prolific you know amount of content over the years, I will come up in searches. Um, and so a lot of that has come to me. It was it was so I mentioned again this newspaper that I published in my hometown uh, for ten years. And even though that was years ago, and it was in the sort of pre-internet, Era for the most part, um, I learned a lot about what it's like to be on the receiving end of media pitches, and so that really helped me know that most. (laughs) Made me realize that most people go about it the wrong way, (laughs) you know. And it's and so uh, when I do seek out publicity or when I respond to a request for the media, I have a a great sensitivity for what they're looking for, and Mm. very similar to the sales copy we were talking about earlier. It's not about like the worst thing that you can do and i see it all i can see see it i've been seeing it for, de- for decades is is uh, we you know my band really needs some exposure uh, what could you do to give us some exposure on your blog you know which is all me oriented from their pers- perspective as opposed to why their story is relevant to my audience or why you know uh, not if somebody takes the time to look at my site and realize that i'm not i'm not i don't review music i, I talk about music marketing and they come up with a pitch that, hey, we, this is, here's a creative marketing thing we did that I think your buzz factor readers would enjoy. I mean, it's much more likely it's going to get my attention than the generic, you know, pitch. it's um, so, uh, so anyway, just being sensitive to that has helped me. And then um, just having gotten publicity, being savvy about delivering what I think they want, you know, or not that I think they they want, but delivering, <laughs> delivering a something that's authentic message to my, to myself in a, in a way that they can use. I know I'm being a little vague there, but, um, but yes, yeah, so I've been very fortunate to get been on, like been on NPR twice, like national yeah. NPR. Um, what was it? Uh, in, in, the book world publishers weekly, some guy was doing a story on self publishing like a year ago and reached out to me and, um, a ton of others. Yeah. I, I've got on my about page on my site.
0: Well, that's great and it can definitely work that way you know as you begin to be seen more as an expert and as, and an influencer people will start reaching out to you more so
1: absolutely if you combine that with reaching out yeah i mean there's certainly uh, all sorts of techniques and yeah and pitching by email or by phone or or whatever if you have a story that you know that, that Again, but, but you have to position it in a way that what's in it for the media outlet mm. um, you know and then and then follow up like what well, think we talked before we started re- recording you initially reached out to me for this podcast, and I um, I was busy I was interested I mean we even went back and forth and then we never set on a date because I <laughs> yeah. got sidetracked, and then you followed up. Um, and you didn't do it in a mean way or go, hey, what did I pick? Do I piss you off, Bob? <laughs> You're just going, hey, I never heard back from you. So it was like be pleasantly per- persistent. And you just mm-hmm. really had to send one of those re- reminders. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I I got a little side sidetracked. So follow up with media exposure in particular, the follow up is crucial. Um, even if it's just once or twice, you'll notice a huge difference in the response. Um, if you just follow, follow up with people to realize that they're busy and their non-response, does that mean that you've been rejected, you know? <laughs> so you have to get a bit of a thick skin in that re- regard.
0: Right. Yeah, totally. That's great. What about things like guest posting? Are you a big proponent of showing up on other popular blogs?
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I do think that's a good, a good move. Um, and I, uh, again, luckily because I've been in a position to have been in this, uh, in the music marketing space for a long time, I've made friends with and gotten to know people. So there's some, like I, it's really, it, I, I can easily get guest posts on like the CD baby, uh, DIY musician blog and Hypebot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, Tom Jackson is a friend of mine a guy in Nashville oh, yeah. who does performance coaching and, and, um, um, it's so, uh, and I said there's sometimes when I forget about submitting things to you, <laughs> then I could probably get more, more out there. But yeah, it's a very definitely a great way because you have to look out – even though I think there's a lot of value in having your own real estate on the internet, um, uh, yeah, getting exposure on other existing blog posts. So one of the people I uh, interviewed in the, uh, in the Creative Entrepreneur Series was a, a writer, a blogger named Jeff Goins. Yes. And he kind of came out of nowhere – where he decided he wanted to create this website. It was all for writers in particular about about writing advice and publishing advice. And he was like, you know, you were kind of following his journey. And he like came out of nowhere and he spent like his first year, he like posted like 300, I think, uh, blog posts, real high quality blog posts on his own site. And then like another hundred things he wrote for guest posts. And I remember asking him about this. But he would basically, instead of going for the very top, he would just reach out to other uh, blogs that were more established than him, but still not really high up the food chain. Um, and he would just offer value. I've got this piece. You can, you know, let, let me. And he would. So he was kind of with each each level of success that he got. Um, he would then move up the food chain to the next blog, and just and he would befriend people um, instead of just only pitching. You know, he would maybe. Uh, uh, compliment them or, or send them a resource or something that would be helpful in addition to pitching his own. And it took him, but, but he had, he came out of nowhere and within a year or two this built up this huge following and this exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is possible, but you notice he, he it was a, pro, a proliferation of content, you know, 300, 400 blog posts in a little mm-hmm. over a year. That's a lot of dedication to that pursuing that path. Um, and so he's a great example of how that did really pay off for him. Well, I, I haven't had that kind of discipline <laughs> to <laughs> pursue that, but I did early on though. I would seek those, you know, I guess at this stage of my career, I'm in a little different place. Um, but he, but, uh, but he, so it is possible still in this, this totally, uh, noisy era that we live in, uh, with all the competition for attention, but he cut through because he was, he was dedicated to it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great perspective, and you're absolutely right. I think it would be a lot of work to try to post on your own blog that many posts and be publishing elsewhere. Something I'm trying to do, but uh, I, yeah. I can't necessarily scale it to that level right now. <laughs>
1: right. Well, although I've seen a list of uh, some some reputable websites that where you where you've been covered, so you so you so you've done your part. absolutely yeah Yeah.
0: i'm I'm still continually working on getting out there so yeah but i've been definitely been fortunate to create some good connections that way uh just a couple of questions and then we'll we'll try to wrap this up hard to summarize everything we've covered here today because it's it's been pretty meaty but i think this one is this one is really huge you have a video on youtube called my best music career advice ever and in it, you actually talk about the importance of a mission or a purpose above your goals and how that had a huge impact on even your book business. So talk about that.
1: Yeah. So again, in my in my quest to break things down into the, the lists of three and four things, I know <laughs> I people don't get tired of this, but, uh, and I think in the Empowered Artist book, I refer to it as the three levels of achievement. I can't remember the way that I phrased it, but yeah, I, I articulated this and that, too in a, in a, in a written form, but basically it's, um, so to get things done, to make progress, to move toward your goals and your dreams or, or whatever, there's kind of three levels of activity that take place. And on the bottom level are what I call tasks or like these are like the daily. It's like the things on your daily to-do list. These are the things that you do, the busy work, um, you know, the phone calls you make, the things you design, the blog posts or, or whatever, you know, just like so. There's just it's, there's, these are those are tasks. Now, um, above that, in the middle level, is our goals. And so, if you've paid any attention to goal setting advice, you probably know smart goals. They ideally should be like, yeah. it's particular, specific and measurable. Um, and so, and these things work together. And so, so a lot of times people will just get busy doing stuff, but then they feel after a while, like they're spinning their wheels and they're not making much progress. And so they'll curse, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, but the things that they're doing are not attached to goals, you know? So, so what are your goals with your career? You know, how many albums would you like to sell or how many subscribers would you like to get to your, um your newsletter or your YouTube channel or your Facebook likes or whatever. So just put, you know, what, what are the things going to help me um, make progress and figure out what those specific measurable Metrics are again. I know we talked about how we were bad at measuring, but you can do a little bit of of this, and you have to determine what numbers are important to you. Is it the number of subscribers? Is it the number of uh, followers, fans, sales? You know, so you can have a set a few of these specific and measurable goals. So when you, but, so when your activities are tied to goals, you're much more focused, and you're doing better than probably ninety percent of the population who are just kind of randomly doing things or not even. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Don't give it any thought, you know. So, so that's so that's a but so that's uh, a huge step if you can just do those two levels, um, have goals, and make sure every day, you know, what action, what's the next action step I can take to reach that goal and that goal, you know. However, I think there's an even more important layer on the top, which is your mission or your purpose. This is your overall. Um, reason, your big why, you know, that's driving, that's driving you. And for me, um, years ago, I realized, I kind of maybe change the wording, but my, my, my mission is to inspire and empower musicians and authors and creative people to take their talents and their know-how and to either make a difference with them or to make a living, you know, I think there's a, whatever, uh, again, you don't have to be full-time, you get to, but to reach whatever your level of success is. Um, and so that's a pretty big, you know, empowering vision, you know. Um, and so to me, it really, uh, I think it's more of a top down strategy. You really, if, if you really have a handle on what your mission is and your big overreaching purpose, um, and especially if that thing is to serve others, I mean, certainly there's an aspect of it where I, I feel fulfilled. uh, So I'm serving myself by living out that mission, but it's focused on how how I'm going to make a difference in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, From that mission, I then determine, or I think every, I encourage everyone to then, once you know what that mission is, that then guides what goals you set. You know, what are the goals, the specific and measurable things that I can reach that will help me live out that mission? And then once you have those goals in place, then those determine the daily actions and the tasks that you engage in. And when you, I think when you do it in that order, it's the most powerful thing that you can do. Yeah, you know? and so that's what that, yeah, that's what that piece of advice is all about.
0: Awesome. And I really like that. Are there any books you've read recently or in the past that have really impacted your thinking approach to your career?
1: Oh, boy, man, oh, man. Uh yeah. <laughs> I've read a lot of great books over the years. Let me think. Here. Oh, actually, a recent one. It's funny that it came out the same year. So early last year, again, I don't want to not hammering home on this title, but I guess I, I keep on referring to it This the Empowered Artist book came out like in the spring, uh, early summer of 2015 and then later in the uh i'm a big fan of elizabeth gilbert who she's probably best known for the writing of the book eat pray love and then she had a couple of ted talks that were hugely popular on the, on the kind of uh it was more about creativity and i guess because of the success of those ted talks she um put out a book in september of 2015 uh, called big magic that's about um uh, and it covers a lot of similar ground that the empowered artist does. It's all about that, uh, yeah, living a creative life, you know. And her and she has an interesting take on it. Some of it's a little, little uh, different than than my approach, but it's all, but it's really made me think. And so that that was actually a recent book that I read. That I think would really be great after you've read the empowered artist. <laughs> read, check out Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, because it's really. Uh, Yeah. It puts a lot of things in perspective about living a creative life and again, giving yourself permission to create and deal with fear and all that good stuff.
0: Nice. And is there anything else I should have asked?
1: No, uh, I think you've done a great a great job. Um, yeah, th- we covered a lot of stuff here, David. We really, really did. Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation and look forward to sharing this with uh, with your peeps and mine. And if people um, want to know, you know, there's a variety of things that I that I do. If you don't mind me giving out sort of a portal to all of my stuff, yeah, uh, please I- do a website. So the main, like a portal to all of my stuff is, is Bob baker.com. So it's a hyphen or dash, whatever you want to call that, but Bob Baker, B-A-K-E-R dot, dot com. And there it lists on that page. Like, like it has links to all the, to the music marketing site. There's a book site, there's yeah. you know, stuff on improv, my artwork, my original music. And so, um, and then a list of all the books and all that good stuff. And so that's sort of a good place to start. And then you can go to whichever link calls to you and dig deeper into whatever topic uh, yeah, that uh, that would be helpful for you so yeah I appreciate it
0: that's so great awesome. all right well thank you so much for your generosity Bob it's been my pleasure all right thanks for listening make sure to go to musicentrepreneurbook.com for show notes and other goodies and leave a review in iTunes to help us spread the word